It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Pucks and Bolts with Casey Hudson. What's going on, hockey fans? Welcome to Pucks and Bolts, an Odyssey original podcast analyzing the Tampa Bay Lightning in their quest to further cement this team as a dynasty and Tampa Bay as a hockey town. Pucks and Bolts will bring you in-depth insight of games and practices, as well as storylines of your favorite players and coaches multiple times a week. So how does one stay up to date on all of this fun? Download the Odyssey app, search Pucks and Bolts, hit that auto download button so you can stay up to date with your favorite team or all of the exciting news around the NHL. Guys, I am Casey Hudson, joined by my guest Ed Encina of the Tampa Bay Times, and it's time for us to get into a brand new episode of Pucks and Bolts. Ed, how are you? I hope my dog's not driving you crazy. She's going nuts because I have not been home much lately, so this is my payback. Well, thanks for having me, Casey. Hopefully that, uh, hopefully your, your dog, uh, <laughs> Enjoys the show. So relaxed. I know. (laughs) She here. She gives us. Um. You know when you see those monitor things in arenas of like noise and stuff. She gives us a monitor reaction if she agrees with what I'm saying or if she disagrees. So there you go. That's always a fun extra layer to the show. (laughs) But um, you were obviously you're at all the lightning games and stuff, and you have such great insight of everything going on with this team. Kaylee, when she introduced me to you, said that you're the guy that gets down to the answers. So I'm gonna have some fun. (laughs) answer it asking some fun questions from you but let's start with the road trip guys you know start off the road trip winning three games I think that they did it in a pretty good fashion of finally kind of getting to that 60 minutes of hockey mark that they had goal um but then those last two games on the road were a little wonky right what was your overall takeaway of their road trip uh the success and things that really screamed to you okay we've got to clean this up before we really full launch into the second half of the season after all-star week Right. Yeah, you're right. I think, you know, the search is still kind of to to play these consistently play 60 minutes of really good hockey. And I think it all kind of starts, you know, we, we hear John Cooper talk about it all the time. We, we hear them talk about it in the locker all the time is, you know, it all kind of starts in your own end. And I think you know, those first two games, those first three games, you know, they, they played really well. And, and when when we talk about, you know, them playing well in their in their own end defensively, it's about this limiting those, you know, what they kind of call juicy opportunities, you know, in the front of the net mm-hmm. um, and, you know, kind of creating some traffic there. So I think they were able to do that in those first three games against some some pretty good competition in St. Louis and and, and Seattle. You know, um, those are two, you know, different teams in a sense that like, you know, St. Louis is, is probably a little bit of a, you know, a little bit more physical team. Uh, but Seattle's a really good team. It's a lot better than probably a lot of people on this side of the country really know. Um, and you know, they, the lightning handled them pretty well in the first meeting at Amelie arena, but that second one was, was, a, it was, it was, 
it, it was a really, really big fight for them, you know, and obviously playing on the road, yeah. you know, being across the country. And then I also think that there's so much that, that was in the room leading up to 500 uh, for Steven Stamkos. Yeah. And those guys wanted so bad to get it for him and not just to get it for him. Obviously they all want to see him achieve that. You know, it was just a matter of time, obviously, but at the same time, you know, they kind of wanted to kind of get it out of the way too. You know, it's like, yes, it's one of those things that, you know, the, the more your the more anticipation there is for it, the more, you know, maybe everyone kind of grabs your stick a little tighter, you know, as, as the saying goes, um, and just gets a little bit more nervous. You could tell so much though, from St. Louis, when I think Stamkos had a couple of, of uh, empty net opportunities late in the game, um, and, and didn't get them. And then Seattle, uh, you know, another empty net, uh, you know, Victor Hedman, you know, is on the rush with him and you can see Victor the whole time. He's trying to figure out a way to get the Stamkos on the way level with them. Yeah. Right. And he just couldn't get it there. And then I think in, in Vancouver, a couple of days later, I asked him, I was like, you know, like how much were you just trying? He was like, it's all I thought about. He's like, when, after I scored the goal, you know, I looked right up to the, to the replay board to see if I, there was any way to get it to him. I just, couldn't f- figure it out. So that's how much, that's an example of how much those guys wanted to get it for him. Not just to get it for Stammer, Stammer, but also to like kind of put this, all of this anticipation aside. Right. And, mm-hmm. but in the end of the end of the day, it was probably better. Like I honestly think that getting in the way that he actually did get it is a lot better than one of these, you know, empty net goals at the end of the game. That's kind of an afterthought, you know, I mean, Vancouver, yeah. to be honest, was one of like, you know, you know, we've covered, you know, Stanley Cups, we've covered these huge games in the postseason, but like seeing that moment in Vancouver, which is so awesome because, you know, it happened early, it happened on a, on a, a goal that was a legitimate goal, you know, Alex Kalorin makes a great play to set him up and he's right there back door, back post to, to put it in. And the way the fans in Vancouver reacted to it, like a road city, you know, they've, been dealing with their own stuff with their own team and yes. you know the way that they acknowledged Stamkos and you know the standing ovation that he got was like it was one of the coolest moments to be honest that I've seen because it was I you know I don't know if it was expected but you can just tell that like in hockey towns you know like you know many of those north of the border that they pay attention to this kind of stuff and that it means something, you know, they have yes. a, have a really good appreciation for the history of the game. And that this just isn't some milestone, you know, that, that Steven Stamkos is up there now that, you know, mm-hmm. you're probably, you're watching a historic moment and you know, you're probably watching a player who probably, you know, in a lot of ways just etched his, his way into the hockey hall of fame. And um, so to, to see that and kind of the reaction from it was really cool. Like, and obviously, after the after the game in that room in the room, you know, Stamkos had you know pretty a pretty emotional speech to the team. Where, yeah, and he's always been this way. You've seen it, Casey, in, in post game is when, when he's you know talks about these milestones. It's it's kind he takes it in and he's learned to take it in as he's gotten older. Um, but he also kind of you know he the, the people he think about or he thinks about are the people that you know were the people that set him up on those goals you know like he'll never yes. forget Alex Kalorn like not that he would normally but you know he'll always remember you know that goal and that set up and the move that he made to, to set him up and everything like that so you know getting back to the road trip though I mean I think there was so much that encompassed those moments you know there's the anticipation yes. and probably there's a little bit of a letdown too after that you know I mean you're you're you have this high everyone asked Stamkos I think the other day and and 
here in Tampa is like, well, how did you celebrate? And he's like, well, I really didn't have a chance to celebrate because we were on a flight to Edmonton to play the next day. And Moments later, there was, a, yeah. there was a little bit of, you know, you know, they really didn't have their legs against Edmonton and against a team like that with that much skill and that much speed, you know, to not have your, you know, a game or, you know, hundred percent, you know, that's going to put you behind the eight ball, you know, no matter what. And then, you know, the Calgary game was one that it was kind of an interesting one because they, they just kind of, you know, fell behind early. We're kind of chasing it the whole way through. And, um, you know, by that time, like, I know what it's like from being on the road. It's like at the end of those road trips, like you just kind of want to be done with You're it. You're ready to get home. And, and yeah. Those are, those are some of the <laughs> toughest ones. And then, you know, there's tough ones when you get back after the road trip, like we saw last night. Um, but, you know, I think those are those are kind of the, the things that the teams go through on the road. And you know, we talk a lot about how, you know, this team has, hasn't been itself necessarily on the road, but, um, you know, teams like that kind of evolve. And you know, I have no doubt that this was a, even though it probably isn't the way that they wanted to, to end up because they won those first three games and ended up, mm-hmm. you know, kind of, you know, kind of losing steam at the end, but it was still very, it still said a lot about them and the team that they can be on the road. And, you know, they'll, they'll have another, you know, big West coast road trip coming up after the break, you know, uh, I think it's, you know, Dallas, Colorado, Phoenix, Vegas, uh, Vegas, right. So, you know, they'll have another opportunity to go out there for a long, long stand stretch. But I mean, let's remember that the the real, when you look at this team and you look at how they kind of galvanized, it all kind of goes back to the bubble in in 2020 when they were on the road by themselves during the pandemic, it was all about them. Like, but they were away from everything and they blocked everything out and were able to obviously go on that magnificent run. That's what I always kind of think about is the road is tough because it's the road and you're traveling a lot and you have back to backs and I'm sure you have tired legs and stuff like that. But at the same time, you kind of can become galvanized. And these guys that, you know, these guys are so close that sometimes the road helps you. So um, I'm still kind of looking for that moment. Yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Yeah, I'm so glad that you painted the picture of what that meant of Stammer collecting his 500th goal in Vancouver. And, you know, you said something very key there. The Canucks obviously have had a lot of their own issues going on. Clearly their their head coach just got fired. They brought in mm-hmm. somebody else. With all with everything going on in that organization, they still are a pretty quality team. I mean, Bo Horvat got into NHL All-Star Week on vote, and right. he's top of the league in terms of goals that he puts up and points that he puts up. He's a quality guy in the NHL. So I feel like it was the perfect setup of if we don't play a great game, this can be taken from us. The early start of the 500 being collected, Killer being on two of the five of the three right. goals that night. It was just so many sound pieces to it, and, and you, you nailed it. 
Stammer is always figuring out a way, not figuring out because I feel like it comes easy, but he's always pulling his teammates into his success and saying, if, if not, if not for this moment, this guy, these people, but I definitely think the guys were holding on to their sticks a little too tight. Yeah. You read about it for Ovechkin, like even Ovechkin, one of the top guys in the league, he said that he was just really kind of over gripping and his teammates were overly trying to force the, for him to hit his milestone of 800 plus and, you know, it's just all part of the game. And I feel like that kind of fed into some of the success on the top of the road trip. And then, as you said, the other two, Edmonton's a really hard team to face back to back. I mean, their right. offensive firepower is an overload. But before we kind of pivot from this road trip a little bit, um, one of the top takeaways for me, aside from them getting closer to that full 60 minutes of hockey success for this team is the the rising I, I can't say rising phoenix i'm trying to still find a cool term for him maybe you can help me with it but nick Purvix, he opens right. up this road trip with a goal and a point he had a hell of a game versus the blues and to be you know 24 years old getting his nhl shot he's coming in as such a perfect puzzle piece to this system which puts so many question marks on some of the guys who are having more inconsistent performances on defense and trade deadlines coming up there's a lot of question marks about where to stack first you get a guy who's known to be a shooter that you just feed him and he can help contribute to putting pucks on net or do you tighten up the defense a lot more first um thoughts on nick perbix and what your first move would kind of be defenseman or a shooter yeah so you know we, we did talk to julian breezeball the other day and you know it's funny because you know when you think about where this team sat in september october you know going into training camp you know, obviously the big question was how do you kind of re retool this defense, you know, together, especially after losing such a monumental person like Ryan McDonough, you know, and, you know, Jan Ruda, you know, and you know, those are two guys who are, you know, a big part of the, you know, the top six and, you know, you had to figure out a way to do it. And, and, and they've done a good job of, of doing it. You know, they initially thought that, you know, Ian Cole would be one of those guys and he has been, you know, but the right. evolution and I don't even know what the right was, but the the rise, the, it is a rising really because yeah, I, I almost called him the rising phoenix, right, but he's not right, he, he right. didn't do that yet. <laughs> right, because because no one no one thought I don't think anyone thought that he would be I think I think everyone in the organization thought that he would be a part of this team, but I don't think that anyone thought that he would be as big a part of this team as he become. And yep. you know, he's one of those guys like when when I watched him in training camp and just from talking to him and you know, we, for young, young guys, like when you talk to them, you can kind of tell a little bit of what they're about. And Nick Perfect has always been a guy who kind of is so level-headed and you can tell that, you know, the, the spotlight doesn't get to him. And like, you could tell that very early about him. And I think the way he plays shows that is that, you know, there's no real moment that's too big for him. He doesn't get panicky at all about anything. So, you know, and I think that's what's allowed him to not just be a big part of this team, but be a part of it where you're comfortable putting a guy who has what 45 games, on, you know, less than 45 games under his belt, yeah. along with anyone. You can put him with the Victor Hedman. You can put him. You know, you have to play a totally different game playing with Victor Hedman than you do playing with you know Ian Cole or you know playing with even Mikhail Sergachev. You know, but so he's become one of these guys who you've really kind of you know you he's become trustworthy very quickly. And yes. um, that's one of the reasons why, you know, they were able, they, they wanted to lock him up because, you know, any opportunity you get to get a player 
uh, at a cost that you can dictate that's cost friendly, you have to do it if you're in this, this situation the Lightning are in because they don't have that cap space. So um, Nick Purvis has kind of been the perfect storm to kind of help them with the cap situation uh, moving forward. So, you know, he's obviously, he was going to be a restricted free agent at the, I think at the end of the year. Um, but now you've got him for two more years. So that's kind of the, you know, I was talking to Victor Hedman about this several weeks ago, but kind of, you know, this team had so much stability on defense and they kind of didn't at the beginning of the year, but very quickly they've been able to kind of do that. And I think now it's, it's just kind of that, that kind of consistency of, of protecting your own end. And it's just like, sometimes we do see, you know, whether it's, you know, they're losing their legs or they just lose assignments or another team just kind of maybe a little bit faster than them. And, you know, before they know it, they're watching the puck go in their net. But, you know, I do think that the, the, when you're looking at how, what do they do over the next six weeks when you're approaching the trade deadline, there's so many obstacles that you have, you know, and, and, and the major obstacle is like, how can you add because you're so <laughs> struck, you know, you're so hamstrung against the cap. So, um, and everything that they're going to have to do is going to have to be like a player in player out kind of thing, more similar to like the Nick Paul trade where they lost a player in Matthew Joseph. And I think traded a fourth round pick to get a guy like Nick Paul who they thought would help them uh, help them in the sense of, you know, adding a little bit more physicality, playing heavy uh, in a kind of a, a bottom six forward kind of role than necessarily Matthew Joseph was going to do. And um, versus necessarily like a Brandon Hagel's trade where they unload and give, you know, two draft picks and a couple of <laughs> players to Chicago. You know what I mean? That's, they're not going to be, I don't think they're going to be able to do that this year. You know what I mean? Like, when you look at what they Yeah, I can't imagine who they would do that for. Right. Um, right. With the roster they have now, it'd be terrifying. Right. And I know, I know like there were a lot of fans last year, this, you know, the beginning of the year were like, oh, well, the Brandon Hagel trade, you know, wasn't a great trade. And now you're probably looking at it being like, wow, like <laughs> this guy has, you know, almost 20 goals. Bagel and, train. Right. Right. And, you know, <laughs> he's going to be with the team for another, you know, two years and he's an RFA after that. So you can keep him around. So he can be, that's one great thing about this this pro scouting department and the analytics department that they've worked together to try to kind of figure out. That's the thing that, that, I mean, like it's one thing to be hamstrung against the cap and being able to only do certain things, but also to recognize when you have that, that hindrance, but also to, you know, be able to find guys who aren't just going to help you for this, this run, but help you down the road, you know, and obviously, you know, there's so much stuff that goes into it. I think a big part of it is too, is the room, you know, like you talk to Brandon Hagel and you talk to Nick Paul and they, the first thing they talk about is how, they were shocked at how welcoming everyone was for such a veteran room with a bunch of stars in it and how they felt so welcome. Like whether that like, like their girlfriends and wives were getting calls, like welcoming them to town and Hey, what do you need? Like, like anything you need, let us know. So, you know, that's a big reason why Nick Paul decided to stay, you know, he was like, I want this to be home for my next seven years. So, you know, they're so good at all these things to, and they have to be because of the cap situation. But I do think that if, if they're going to do something, it's going to be a similar kind of trade to like a Nick Paul thing. And it's going to be kind of one of those guys who you want to kind of play a bottom six kind of role um, and kind of be a guy who can, you know, play a heavy style of play, play physical, but also is going to play a, a responsible level, get puck, you know, the whole cliche, get pucks deep and, 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 and stuff yeah. like that. That's going to, that's going to help them, kind of because I, I do think that when you talk about defense a big part of defense is not chasing the puck and so the puck possession game of playing down low and, and keeping it I mean 
what, what Pat Maroon honestly has done the past few months since he moved to that third line, if they could get another guy that's kind of like that, um, yes. and, and, they, and they might be able to, you know, I mean, those guys are kind of cheap, but you know, at this point of the, like this point, it's still so early that like the market really hasn't really revealed itself. One, because there's a lot of teams that still think they're in it, whether they are or not, like, but there, but also too, like, you really don't know who's available yet. So, I mean, the Nick Paul thing kind of came, came together pretty quickly. Like they, they knew that, you know, the Ottawa was kind of trying to renegotiate with him to try to get him to stay, but it was very quickly between the time that they knew that they weren't going to be, be able to resign him and, you know, the deal was made. So some of these things come together so quickly and they come together late. Um, but yeah, like I, I think that's that's kind of the, the thing they're going to do. I think they're honestly, they'd like to kind of upgrade that kind of fourth line, another option kind of on the fourth line, yes. third line kind of guy that they can kind of, um, that kind of plays that kind of heavy kind of puck possession kind of game. Because that's all too, like those are, those are the guys that kind of help you win in the postseason, you know, and, you know, Mm-hmm. Blake, Blake Coleman and Bar- Bar- Blake Coleman's a 20 goal scorer, but what helped him, what helped the part of his game that helped them win a cup was the way how physical he was and just like, how much of a gnat he kind of was and, and, and stuff like that on, on, on the defensive end, obviously the penalty kill for guys like him and Goodrow, like guys like that, you know, I think those are the kind of the guys that you look for, but obviously they're not going to be able to spend uh, first round draft picks to get them like they did you know, those two guys. So. <laughs> no, please save those. But I'm actually glad that you mentioned that comparison because I often think about a guy like Barkley Goodrow and how he wasn't talked about enough. You know, he may have not been putting a bunch of pucks on net, but in the same sense, he was doing enough of it's it's the small details, right? And sometimes those small details are what help these guys win the most important games. Sure. And so I think that's what would help contribute to that bottom six, as you've mentioned. And also, speaking of Pat Maroon, in, in my personal opinion, or at least from what much I caught, I felt like the, a big turnaround for him was that road trip where they opened up versus the Buffalo Sabres. All of a sudden, you know, he was helping with the puck management. The giveaway total still freaks me out, but mm-hmm. it's that sound hockey that, as you said, helps the defensemen. So maybe the goal is to find another sound player that can get the small details done, maybe more strong of a two-way player because – we don't have as many two-way guys as you did when you had that third line, you know, the, the year before last. Yeah, I think that, just, yeah, just adding oh, on no, to that, I think, I think that, like, they'd like to see more contributions and even strength from, like, those fourth-line guys. You know, yesterday we see Corey Perry get a couple goals on the power play, but, you know, they really haven't gotten that that balance top to bottom, you know. And I think in the postseason you're you're going to win because – all Brady lines point, are involved. Coach are off and, and Steven Stamkos are scoring goals, but you're going to need those contributions even more from those, those bottom line guys. And you're going to need them in even strength. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, it's, it's, it's great that Corey Perry got a couple goals last night and those were really cool because like, you know, he's such a, he's like such a presence down there in front of the net, but like they, they just need a little bit more. And like, they've tried to tinker with it, you know, moving Maroon up, moving the domestic off down to give a little bit of a speed there. And I just don't think that they've necessarily gotten, gotten enough from from that from that group i mean i i i love how the third line has kind of evolved with colton and, and and paul and maroon because i think that those guys have they i think they just kind of feed off each other and then that's the thing like when you're switching pairings and you're switching lines and stuff like that you're trying to find these three guys that work together when you think about it you know when maroon first came up you know he learned a lot of playing you know a heavy game from pat maroon and nick yeah. paul is that kind of player and he's you know he's do it all Nick Paul. He can basically do 
whatever you want him to <laughs> do, put all. him in whatever position that you can you can put him in. So I, I I like how they've kind of evolved that line, and I just think now it's kind of that that fourth line that they just need a little bit more contribution from, you know, right now. And 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 if they look to do something, it's going to be kind of you know where where do we kind of do this? Now, obviously, what, another factor here is Rudolph Balsers, who's coming back from injury pretty soon. He's on, he was on, um, I think he has two games left on uh, his conditioning assignment in Syracuse. So they'll have to make a decision on him too pretty soon. He's one of these guys who kind of like Nemestikov a little bit is like, has some speed to his game. You know, he can play well with the puck, but really hasn't, you know, become one of those guys. No one's found that spark in him yet. Right, or, right. No one's so, brought that spark to him yet. Right. And, and, and they like him a lot, but you know, he, and, and, you know, I'm sure he'll get a, you know, maybe a hard look. I don't know how at this point, but I think, you know, he's one of those guys that he'll take a look at too. You know I mean? Sometimes it's, it's the guys who are coming off injury that are almost kind of like key acquisitions at the end. But um, I do think that, you know, Julian Breezeball every year, he'll say it's going to be tough to do it, but somehow every but he year <laughs> he's able to do it. And it's always a guy yeah. who like helps them get, you know, where they need to get. So mm-hmm. um, in, in, in breeze ball, we trust with some of this stuff, but uh, like I said, I, I think it's still, you know, six, six weeks before five weeks before whatever it is, it's still pretty early. Cause just because I think the market hasn't really kind of. Uh, yeah. You know, found itself. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply fully popped off yet it's funny because i i swear almost for dramatic effect at this point every time he says it's going to be tough to do and then magic happens and you're like but yeah. seriously how how um right. but yeah you you kind of took it the words right out of my mouth with the conversation of the fourth line um there's moments where they're silent for games at a time and obviously cooper throws them in the blender tries to see who's going to help create that spark it still doesn't really happen and then you see you know Corey perry put up two goals last night i think he he does so well with when they need a guy to help step up and take away the goalie's eyes, he can be that person. That's where yeah, I kind sure. of see Perry come to life the most. And last night was a perfect example of that great long shot from, from Ross Colton twice. And he was able to capitalize on it. You think a guy like Corey Perry, even though he has the veteran presence, you kind of know what his strengths are at this point. Would he be somebody who's on the chopping block when it comes to the deadline or do they, do they feed off the veteran presence that helps get them across these finish lines? Because you know, the veteran group, the leadership, the, you know, there's no big ego in that locker room of many hockey teams. I think that that's something that plays into the favor of the Lightning success. Yeah, I think, you know, it, it's a tough call because I think it's, you know, Corey Perry is obviously a valuable player to them. One, because he does contribute on the power play. And again, his still at the age that he's at, which I think is like 37 or 38, like 
he's he still has the hands to be a, a net presence guy. And when he's in front there, he not only you know creates that presence, but he agitates. You know, I mean, like you could see, I think right before the second goal yesterday, like um, I think so. I actually, I literally just looked at it, so I kind of have it fresh in my mind. But you know, right when he came on, Stamkos had a one timer from the from the left circle that the flurry kind of gets in the way of, but, but Corey Perry's right there with his stick blade right there. And almost mm-hmm. like flurry literally like takes his glove and like pushes, pushes like Corey Perry's helmet, like, like by his helmet, like down. So it's like, like what Corey Perry does in so many ways, kind of like what Pat Maroon does sometimes. And what I think Ross Colton is trying to do a little bit, adding to his game is like, mm-hmm. there's so much of the mental part of it that you try to add. And sometimes it, you know, sometimes it does backfire, but you know, like Corey Perry is such a guy that his presence on the ice creates a different kind of mentality for an opponent. They're like, oh man, it's Corey, Corey Perry. I mean, it's you know, it's guy. like they know like these guys know it's like they're playing against them for so many years too. And it's like, you know, so he's one of those guys that has so much inherent value, maybe even when he's not scoring or when he's not in front of that, he just does so much different stuff. Now sometimes that goes to a little bit, and I don't think Corey Perry's the most penalties guy on this team. I, I definitely don't think he is, but like, you know, <laughs> the one thing that these guys have struggled with and they've been able to overcome is the penalties. And mm-hmm. they've been one of the most penalized teams in the league consistently over the past like four or five years. Four. They've been able to overcome it one, because they get their own share of penalties and two, because, you know, they just have, they just have skill <laughs> and <laughs> <clears throat> excuse me. And so, you know, I think, the, one of the bigger questions is how do you kind of overcome that? Because I do think that when you look at some of the goals that they've allowed, they've allowed sh- shorthanded goals and they've allowed some pretty big goals on, you know, on the PK. And, um, you know, so are they good enough now with all the turnover to kind of overcome some of that other stuff, you know, but um, to answer your question, like, I don't know, like, I don't know who you pluck out of there out of that, you know, bottom line or anything like that. I mean, I think it, it's probably, more about the guy you get versus, you know, who you replace, but also yeah, like, trade. yeah, I mean, so, but I mean, that's, that's kind of the, the guys that like, you know, and what they're more comfortable with. Cause you know, they're not going to, they're not going to try to move a guy when, um, you know, if, if they don't think that's going to make them an all, all around better team, but also better at each position kind of, you know, or, you know, gotcha. physical core ads with net presence, you know, agitating, blah, blah, blah. So, if we lose that, then what are we getting in return that's going to make us a better team? But I see. Um, yeah, so, but all this stuff is so calculated um, by like the scouts and the analytics department that, you know, work very, very closely together and give Julian all the information that he needs when, when he's making these decisions. But um, I mean, also too, another thing to think about, and I don't know if this necessarily happens too much with the trade deadline, more like in the, in the off season, but, you know, just going back to, the cap constraints that this team faces and very little, very little people think about the fact that they still have long-term injury, long-term injured reserve exemption on Brent Seabrook's contract, which allows them to oh. go over the cap, like six point six point seven five million million. That's an asset, you know? So maybe, okay. maybe you're, you're getting something like that for a player to something like that, because that goes off the books next year. So as much as like right now, I think they've committed, like $80 million of an $83.5 million cap to 14 players, you know, only 14 players mm-hmm. that are signed right now. So you're going to have to 
either make some drastic cuts or acquire some kind of long-term injured reserve cap space, uh, you know, to even get under. So, you know, there's what Breezewell calls this cap gymnastics that they have to perform, but that's also something too that could be, you know, at play. Like I said, I think that's mostly people, teams mostly trade for that in the, in the off season. I mean, that's what they did to get the Seabrook. I think it was the Tyler Johnson trade with Chicago mm -hmm. to get that dead contract money back. Um, and obviously they were, they had to move Tyler Johnson too, because, you know, it's kind of in and out. It's like a, what I need to get rid of yep. versus what you need to get rid of. So, um, mm -hmm. so, but, you know, versus right now, which is more like, okay, what do we need to get us over the hump? What's going to make us a tougher, and this is what they always say when they talk about this, what's going to make us a tougher out in the playoffs. And again, just knowing how postseason hockey works, I just think that that's, that's one of those things that they, you know, that's kind of the target that they need. Obviously, you know, I think, I think when you look at the defenseman personnel, like they're okay, you know, it's just those guys probably need to tighten up, you know, in, in yeah. some of those situations. You, know? you think that they're, they're capable of, elevating their game rather than having to bring somebody else in to yeah. do it. Yeah. I mean, like, let, yeah. let's face it. Like you know, Victor Hedman hasn't had the best season of his career. No. Um, I feel know, like he hasn't been the same since the West coast trip. Yeah. I mean, and the injury that, was, that he collected then. Right. And, you know, Mikhail Sergachev, I love, I love his game and everything he can do, but there's sometimes when he just gets caught in his own end mm -hmm. or makes a bad turnover that leads to an odd man rush. And if those guys can just kind of like tighten up, you know, kind of their games a little bit. Um, you've got some very responsible defensemen in that in that you know top top seven. You know, I mean, like even you know Hayden Fleury's not not a bad defenseman. You know, like he's every time he's been put in there, I think he's done pretty well. So, um, so you have depth. You have um, you, know, you have the guys. I just think that they just need, they just need to tighten up. And sometimes that comes. You know, sometimes that comes like the whole process of a season. And this is so different than other sports. I feel like is that like the regular season really is a dress rehearsal for, you know, the postseason, And, mm -hmm. you know, they're, they care less, they want to make the playoffs. And outside of that, they care less about how many points they have at the end of the year versus how well they're playing, you know, come mid April, you know, when the, right. when the postseason starts. So, you know, and, and we've seen that in years past with even like, you know, what they've overcome and then gotten in the postseason, whether it's, you know, you get all of a sudden, boom, here's Nikita Kucherov after being away for a, a year or what they had to overcome with missing Steven Stamkos the year before that, you know, so yep. um, there's a lot there at play and, and it all kind of comes to this, this grand finish line, you know, once, once the postseason starts. So there's nothing really to worry about. Like I said, like the goals that they've allowed are, are a little concerning, but because um, I think it's, I think before last night, it was three goals a game, which is the most that they've allowed through 45 games in the John Cooper era. So, um, but again, that's 45 games into the season, you know, um, you would think that they'll be that they'll, they'll break that number down and they have in the past, even, you know, by the end of the season. Yeah. And Cooper does say three goals is way too many. That's where he gets right. a little fired up. Exactly. And we love oh, to see that. Makes him mad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. He does it still in such a calm, collected way. He's the terrifying parent that has the tone. You know, you never want to hear the tone. That's my mother, by the way. Um, but yes, I, I I actually love that you that you brought that perspective into it and and had the angle of you know does these defensemen are good enough? It's just it's time for that next year because the conversations are you know we need a defenseman, we need somebody to help bail us out of the right. inconsistency. And it's like yeah, but the consistency is still 
top notch hockey, top in the league. This team is still being talked about amongst, you know, top seven, top eight teams. I think Minnesota, I think so highly of Minnesota. Minnesota is probably like my backup team. I know it's not right to really have a backup team, but they were. I spent a lot of time in, in Minneapolis in college and stuff. Um, mm. Fast team, physical team. I feel like they're a good test. And obviously on the road trip, it didn't really go their way for them to pull off a victory versus Minnesota. And then last night, uh, things got really testy versus a team they yeah. don't see that often. Uh, Coach Cooper even mentioned that. Your biggest takeaways in what the team did well. It was a tight first 20 minutes there. And then, of course, that shorthanded um, Reaper reappeared in the second period nice and early. And then third period kind of closes out more in favor of the bolts after you know a big performance by Vassy in the first 10 ish minutes i right. would say was it a game that they leaned so much on Vassy, or would you say it was a game where they did enough good things and or more good things than than not so good things well i i, I kind of look at like that game and it's like i, I kind of look at what they did in the beginning of periods and at the end of periods right and uh-huh. you know obviously the, the shorthanded goal came and you know they can be like here we go again and this team doesn't necessarily do that very often you know um, you know, they, they fight back, you know, the second team power, power play unit, which doesn't get that much time on the ice. And I didn't even know this. So I looked it up today, but like, like the power play had been over 11 in the past four games, you know, so the first yeah. team unit hadn't been, hadn't been playing that well. So, you know, and while getting opportunities, so, you know, to, to get those kind of hard fought goals, you know, and then playing a hard fought team, because like I said, like, I like Minnesota too. Like they're, they're one of these teams that like, if they can just get over, like they kind of remind me a little bit of the lightning in the sense of like, they're in that phase from like maybe like five, five, six years ago that yes. in that phase where they just need to get over the hump. And to them, the hump mm-hmm. has been St. Louis. Right. But you know, if, if they just get over the hump, get to a conference, you know, get through a conference final or something like that, they can be a really dangerous team for dangerous. years because they're young. Yep. They have, they have skill, they're physical. They're not a play free to play anyway. You know, they've got good goaltending and you know, they're kind of almost developing that swagger, you know, that, that that good teams really need. And that only comes by winning and winning in the postseason. So I do think that they're, they're one of these like sneaky, sneaky, like sleeping powerhouse kind of teams that if, once they start getting that, that they're going to be around for a while. And, yeah. you know, obviously you have, a, you have the star in, in, in Kappersoft, but like, I like some of their young, young players too. I mean, Eric's an ex, the guy who, I like, you know, I mean, like Sam Steele, like some of these guys that they, that they have, yes. um, you know, Addison's a guy that like, you know, in, in that game in Minnesota, like he was rifling, uh, rifling shots like Victor Hedman from the point, you know, they've got some guys, you know? And so I think one thing, there were a couple of things that kind of became like going into this one was one, I think they had a sour taste in their mouth from the way the, the road trip ended and they want to get back on ice. They knew that, you know, as, they, as they've talked about that, you know, it just put more pressure on them to play well at home against three really good teams, you know, I mean, it doesn't stop after this, you know, they got Boston tomorrow and they've got um, the LA Kings on, on Saturday. So, you know, this is a stretch where, you know, you look and you're like, okay, we, if we're going to get points, we're going to have to really fight for them. And they knew that going in. And secondly, the game in Minnesota was such a weird one because it was a five, one final, but there's so much stuff that happened because Vasilevsky was supposed to start. Then he gets sick. Elliot yes. has to start on, on the yes. second straight night a second straight night that, and, and we knew that this was a last minute change because Elliot actually worked out that morning and thinking that he wasn't going to play that night. Oh. So this was a last minute thing for Brian Elliot thinking like, you know, you know, nine o'clock or you know, whatever it is, seven 30 game. And he's being told when he gets off the bus at six, you know, six o'clock, 
hey, suit up. You're gonna have to play the Minnesota Wild, who has a bunch of guys who can score goals, you know, and and you can be, you know, really, you know, tricky in front of the net too. So, you know, I think there was that. Um, you know, that first goal that they scored against them was off Nick Purvis to skate in Nick Purvis's homecoming in Minnesota. So, you know, there, there's a couple another another puck went off a skate, I think, or, or off off someone in front. So it wasn't the five one goal score probably wasn't indicative on how close and closely contested that game was. And obviously, mm-hmm. some of these games, when you look at probably all the games where the, the where the Lightning allow six or six, like five or six goals, they're all empty net goals that they allow late because Cooper will pull the goalie for the extra attacker and they just, it hasn't worked out for them. Like I actually asked him about this in Seattle. It's like, you know, I'm working on something on it. It's kind of like, what are you, I didn't say it this way, but like, how do you process, like, what are you thinking when you choose to pull the goalie? Because it kind of hasn't, hasn't really worked for you because like, because my, my theory on it, I'm going on a little bit of a tangent here, but like my theory on it is kind of like, is if you're, if, if, you're behind because you're struggling to possess the puck. Like, mm-hmm. isn't that going to carry over even well, if you have an extra man? And yes. his, his theory is that there's sometimes when he senses, and, and, he, and he's very thoughtful about it, as John Cooper always is, it's like you take a gauge of the bench and like how they feel. And it's like, so if they just, if you feel that they just need that little extra push, or if you feel that like, they just need that. Like we need another body out there to, to even have a chance to get back in this game. That's when you do it. Mm-hmm. But like, my thing was like, well, you guys have been chasing the puck all night. And then all it takes is, and, 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 which is, right, which is what happened in Minnesota on the empty net goal is basically, you know, they're in the zone and a puck to the point skips over Ross Colton's stick. And it gives, you know, the, 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 the wild, a breakaway goal that made it five one. And, um, so like all it takes is one thing. And if you're not feeling it, like you're not feeling it, like it's not going to change in the third period because all of a sudden you've got an extra dude out there, you know? <laughs> so like, uh, I've had some conversations with them about that. And, but that game to, to, you know, to, to make my point is that that game wasn't necessarily as, as. Defeating score, as it looked. What, what the score indicated. And I think they wanted to show mm-hmm. that, you know what I mean? They wanted to show that like, that was kind of fresh in their mind. It was only like three weeks ago. So you know, they wanted to to show that, like, for a team that's so good and has accomplished so much, there's there's amazing how much these guys do still play with a chip on their shoulders and right. with every single thing they do, you know, and you see it in practice, you know, like, there's guys like Victor Hedman who hate to lose in, like, you know, small ice drills, you know, in the middle of practice. Like, they'll come <laughs> so playing, if you know, they'll, they'll talk trash, you know, if, 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 if Vasilevsky lets a goal in, he's in practice, he's mad. You know, so like, mm-hmm. and that's one of the reasons that they've gotten this far. But, you know, I do think that there was a couple things at play there that, you know, mentally that, that they came into this goal with kind of a little bit of a of an edge. And they started off slow, no doubt, um, but they, they kind of got their legs later on. And, you know, when you get, honestly, I think when you get two goals from your second team power play unit, it does give you a boost, you know, because you can, you can, you know, you're, you're not going to always get it from your, from your top guys. And mm-hmm. to get it from, you know, those guys, to get it from Corey Perry, to get it from, you know, Ross Colton being a big part of that, you know, I think it kind of helps you. And then they withstand that surge early in the third where Vasilevsky basically just like keeps them in the game. game And, you know, and then at that point, it's just, these guys have, they do have a calm when they reach their third period and tie game. I think they're 10 and five in in games when they're, 
tied after two. So they have a, a way to pull it out. And that's from doing, you know, doing that in the postseason. And they're like, you know, what, like, what's so hard about pulling out a game against Minnesota on January 23rd? You know, like we pulled out games and, you know, in Nassau Coliseum in game six of the, you know, Eastern Conference Finals or, you know, in Toronto in a game seven, you know, when do or die game seven. So like, why do we, you know, like, big deal. <laughs> why know? blink at many? Yeah. <laughs> right, right. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, but I mean, like I said, I think, you know, they, they kind of, and this was one that I think they could honestly be be proud of. You know how they are sometimes after games where they win and right. you know, they're kind of like, you know, they, they're not too happy about two points, but I think this one was one because they know how good Minnesota is. And I think that they know that like, they are one of those teams that, you know, is a legitimate cup contender. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, you take, you take two from them in a hard fought game that really kind of had a postseason vibe to it. You know, it's like the physicality of that game, like you said, with the fights, with the, you know, just the, the some of the, the the stuff that was going on against the boards and even some of the no calls, you know, like, you know, oh my gosh, those things happen the, bad. <laughs> some of those things happened in the postseason though. Like they let them play a lot in the postseason and that's kind of the vibe that that game had. So I think they came out of that feeling good because of all those reasons, because it kind of reminded them a little bit of like what it's like to play in, you know, in, in, in April and May and June. Um, mm-hmm. and, and they're a fitting opponent for that because they, they have all that stuff that on paper, they have all that stuff that, that should carry a team, you know, pretty far in the postseason. Yeah. And Minnesota packs a good punch. Like I, I love the level of competition that they bring to the ice, especially because their fourth line was very commanding last night. So it also taught the bolts, like you got to be prepared for every guy that comes on the ice. You've got to stay on top of it. And that's great practice because as you mentioned, Boston's coming up, LA Kings are coming up. You've got Fiala on a tear. You've got Kempe who is just sneaky good. And another guy not really talked about as much in the league. Um, we know when it comes to Boston, it's all about pasta, Krejci, their goaltending is ridiculous. Um, predictions for <laughs> versus Boston. Do they pull off a W versus the Kings? Do they pull it off? And was this the right level of competition? Because their Boston games were winnable. You know, they right. were right there. It just took one more oomph of something for them to secure that W. And, and I feel like they're, it's due. They're due time for that victory. So uh, yeah. predictions for Thursday and Saturday. You know, I think carrying over into like from coming off of this game and coming off the road trip, like I do think that they're not going to be, you know, they're not going to sleep on boss and not that they would normally, but like, you know, they know the value of these points, you know, and when you look at the schedule, you kind of look at it in different ways. You want to get points going into these breaks. Like you want to leave like these pauses and kind of like feeling good about yourself. And it was the same thing of, you know, one of the, I thought on the road, one of the worst moods that they were in, was after they lost in Detroit uh, and it was the last game before the Christmas break. And it was supposed to be the oh, second yeah. to last game, but they had found before found that before the game that the game in Buffalo was going to get postponed because of the, the storm that was coming to Buffalo. So. But they were in the worst mood in that locker room. I had a tough time getting a player to talk <laughs> in that locker room because they were so upset about it. And they, and they really do like look at it in that way. So I don't think they, I think they've looked at these three games as kind of this, this grouping of, of, really tough games against tough teams that they're going to really have to fight for. And I don't think, I think they're going to, they're going to know that, you know, versus maybe, you know, I want to say maybe the game in Boston was the second half of a back-to-back or the first half. I want to say it was the second half of a back-to-back. I think he played in Philly the night, the day before, I think. And the only reason I remember is because I think I, my flight, I got, I got really messed up on my flight. Like, and I literally walked into the TV arena like an hour before game time. So I think it was a, oh my God. a game, a game that was like, I think I was flying in from somewhere else. So 
Um, commercial travel is really tough these days for the record, but um, <laughs> it's it's gone downhill. That's for sure. <laughs> right. So, but um, I don't think they're gonna. I don't think anyone's gonna like. I don't think they're gonna sneak up on them. So, I mean, obviously they're Boston too. You know, they're the best team in the league right now. But, um, but I think I, again, I think you're gonna see kind of that physicality too. You know, you're gonna see them bring that out in each other. You know, you know, Minnesota was maybe it's a little surprising because, like you said, these are teams that don't see each other very often, even though they saw each other. You know, earlier this month, but. There's no love lost between these teams from years, you know, and, and for the most part, the thing about it that carries over is that it's the same cast of characters in a lot of ways. So, you know, these guys have histories and, and um, they all kind of, you know, they, they fought, they fought these battles before. So I expect another kind of one of these tight games where you're going to see a lot of skill, but it's going to be tough to find space and time. And like, I think the big thing is going to be, you know, how do some of the lightning skill position players try to find that, you know, how can they kind of grasp mm -hmm. that, you know, whereas in the Minnesota game, it was tough to tough to find, you know, like, you know, I think Stamco's had like nine shots and he actually has that big goal, but like, you know, some of these guys, you know, Braden Point, Nikita Kucherov, like, you know, Braden Point's at his best when he's able to like think entering the zone and react and like come in and create his time and space. And sometimes he doesn't have it and he just dances around guys and, we're watching the clips of it, it's like eliminated. you know, years later. But um, you know, I think that's going to be kind of the key for some of these big guys to kind of, you know, find the scoring opportunities, but also not like be so tactical about them. Like I think we've seen sometimes where some of the the, the top lines they kind of can, you know, I mean, let's face it, they pass too much, oh. right? Because oh they're looking gosh, for yeah. the, because they're looking for the perfect shot versus just mm -hmm. like you know the way they got back in this game last night was put pucks in net. Just put pucks on net and, you know, yep. really focus on your retrieval game, keep possession in your zone, and it'll all work out. And I think yeah. against a team like Boston, um, that's important. And obviously, I think the one thing that was lacking in some of those other games is just kind of the coverage in their back end. Like, I remember some of those games was just like, I think the, the, when the, the game in Boston, the, the goal that Pasternak scored was just like, there was no one even close to him, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, so, like, Get back to you know the protecting the your your front of the net and playing from there. You know, like start there and go out, and that's and then and that'll even create your own offense too. So I think that's that's a big thing. I think you know you will know a lot about them from how they play early on. I think if they're protecting yeah. the net and they're not giving Boston all those scoring opportunities that maybe they have in, in some of those other games. Um, the game in Boston is the one that sticks out to me the most. Is like the one I think. I just feel like they were completely outshot and they were like, they just weren't like, you know, they were just kind of like outmanned a little bit, you know, and like sometimes. Yeah. It took the third line to kind of give them right. any sort of synergistic action right. going. And even then you can't heavily just rely on the third line. And that third line looked different than what it looks like now, obviously, right. but so, the, the remaining factor being Pat Maroon who can right. be a little better with the puck management situation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think, you know, I think honestly, when you think about it, like it kind of just starts, literally right in front of their own net, protecting that area and, you know, going out from there. If I think they do that, you know, things going to be like one, probably one goal game, you know, barring empty netters or something like that. But like, I think, I think if they play that way, you know, they can win this game, you know, but it's, I don't think they're going to win a game. That's going to be like a five, six game. I think it's got to be like yeah. a three, two or two, Tight. one, something like that. I'm seeing like two goals each in an overtime. I feel like we're doing see that. Yeah. just a, panicked over time and why not do it versus Boston and then the LA Kings you know you've got Fiala you've got Kempe you've got Kopitar um and a few other sneaky guys in the mix there but I feel like they do well with containing 
teams like the LA Kings because it's not like they're the fastest team out there. They just have a skill set to them to where if you give them any sort of time and space, they could take advantage of it. Um, so any thoughts on if they're going to pull off another W or a W on Saturday or uh, if they let that one slip through? Yeah, I think, you know, I think the time they played them was, uh, I think it was early in the road trip, the West Coast road trip early in the season. I think, you know, that was one that I want to say there was some special teams play that, that really kind of came the factor in that one. But like, I mean, they're, they're, it's always tough when you play a team that you don't see very much. And like, they're one of those teams that like, they're really not in their peripheral very often, you know, like the Minnesota right. game, obviously, like I said, they play them three weeks ago. So you haven't played this team since I think October or November. So like they're not in your peripheral, you're not really thinking about them that much. So those are ones that can be sneaky, you know, especially when you, when you are a good team, like, like the Kings that is fighting for points, you know what I mean? Like they're fighting for that Western conference standings right now is like teams are going, I think they're pretty well positioned right now, but like, you know, teams are jumping in and out of those like seven, eight spots yeah. right now every single day, you know, and good teams, you know, like, you know, Calgary's and Edmonton's and, and, and teams like that. And Minnesota's, you know, I think Minnesota fell out of the playoffs playoff spot yesterday with their loss, you know? So, you know, in the West, it's a little bit more, um, these times, you know, when you look at points and trying to get them every night, they're probably a little bit more important in the West than maybe they are in the East. You know, like, like I, I'm not saying the lightning are sleeping on that, but like, the Lightning look can look at the standings and be like, listen, we're in pretty good shape in in third place mm -hmm. in the in the in the Atlantic. I think, you know, they have some think, breathing room and right. the points of who's a, a well below them. I guess I would say. Right. I think ahead. Florida's like six or seven points behind them for that third place spot. You know, mm -hmm. and and Florida's coming on. You know, like they're they're playing a lot better than maybe they were, you know, obviously earlier in the year. But you know, so <laughs> you're going to come in here and you're going to come in here against a team that's that's hungry for points, especially with their last game. You know, before the break. You know, they're going to want to push and and so i think that's going to be a tough one too um obviously but um it'll be interesting I, i'm kind of curious to see like who plays a net too for the for the lightning like i would think maybe that's a brian elliott game maybe you know um i'm not not sure you know but um to give vassy some time before he goes to the all-star game but um so i think personnel wise though obviously the, the it's another one of those things where I think you're going to have to see some balance, you know, to, to the offensive contributions, you know, like, you know, the, the Kings have some guys and um, I think that, that that's going to be one that, you know, they're going to be really hungry to get points. I'm not, I'm not familiar with how much, what, where they're at on their road trip right now, but obviously at the end of it. So, you know, for exactly. teams coming, you know, coast to coast and playing where they're playing, like it's, it's, that's a tough, that's a tough feat at the end. Like he was on Calgary. That's a tough feat for any team. That last game is tough. So you got to pounce on them early. And I think if they do, you know, you can kind of, you know, maybe maybe get, get away with two points there. Um, mm -hmm. But you can't fall behind a team like that. That's I think that's that's kind of the big part with with that game. You know, you can't you can't fall behind, chase a game like that because they are a team that can kind of like they get a lead. And I remember that's one thing I do remember from that last game is like they get a lead and like they can kind of just like put you to sleep a little bit. You know. Yeah, it's like when they get a league, they do well with throwing teams out of their structure. And we know how the Lightning, you know, if they can't formulate their structure, then they kind of struggle and stuff. So that's where the Kings can be pretty dangerous there. Are you going to the NHL All-Star game weekend next weekend? Uh, yeah, I think I'm going to the game. I'm still trying to figure it out. But the, the weird thing is, like, obviously, the Lightning open up in Sunrise two days later. So I'm still kind of formulating my If you want to stay down there that long. Yeah, so I, I don't necessarily yes. want to stay out there for that long. But maybe I might – 
maybe cover the events and then stick around for that game. So not quite sure gotcha. yet. But, um, yeah, like, well, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you do a lot of traveling, so you have all the room to figure it out. At least it's one of the funner parts of the season. I finally get to go to my first one. I've wanted to go for years, so I'm soaking it all in. But Ed, thank you so much, uh, not only for joining us, but just the amazing perspective, the insight, so much information. Guys, be sure to follow Ed Encina because not only is he at every single practice, but he's got all the information that you are going to want regarding your favorite team, the Tampa Bay Lightning. And yes, I said your favorite team. In order to catch this episode with Ed and to catch Ed's content, check out his at right there, if I can point in the right direction, to hit him with that follow. Follow us at Pucks and Bolts, as well as downloading that Odyssey app, searching Pucks and Bolts, hitting the auto-download button to stay up-to-date when we have amazing guests like Ed-On or when we have episodes doing recaps, breakdowns, or previews of any games coming down the pipeline. And as you guys know, we're going to be bringing you all of the entertaining insights when it comes to the NHL All-Star Weekend. So download the Odyssey app, search Pucks and Bolts, hit that auto-download button. Thank you so much for joining us for a brand-new episode of Pucks and Bolts. 2400 Sports is an Odyssey company. 